Today is August 18th, 2017. It's a Friday, and you're listening to What's in Your System, a podcast by scholars at play. And in What's in Your System, we talk about uh, we basically talk about the things that we're we're playing, we're thinking, we're talking about, we're listening to, we're writing about uh, in relation to games. Uh, so my name's Derek Price. I'm Kyle Romero. This is Terrell Taylor. And we're here. We're uh, this is our second iteration. We might sound a little different. We're doing a slightly different recording setup today. Just sort of give it, give something a little more, something a little bit more casual, a little more homey feel. Yeah, you know? a little bit more sort of like you're here in the in the space with us, you know. Just like have a seat, have a seat on this big brown like couch thing that we're all kind of staring that at. That might right be now. in the room that we're all in right exactly. now. Exactly, <laughs> just a big brown blob. Kyle tells us it's a piece of furniture. I don't know what kind of dangerous experiment he's it's cooking wonderful. up. In we're here. in my house. We're in <laughs> Kyle's home right now. Um, so today we wanted to talk. Yeah, just sort of sort of run through what we've been playing. Um, I can kick us off real quick because, great. um, so I wrote, I wrote a little something for the site, for the site, the, the site, site. <laughs> up that content, scholars at play.net. Check it out. I wrote a little something about uh, player unknowns, battlegrounds. Um, and that's, that's the thing that's mostly been in my system is, uh, I've been playing more PUBG and I feel like every time I feel like almost every time I play, I'm like, okay. I think I'm done with this game because most like <laughs> sometimes it's because I'm mad because I just quit because I just lost. Uh, other times it's just like I think I've sort of seen everything the single player has to offer. Um, but the thing I wrote about for the site was uh, just this. It was more of I think it's almost more of a cute idea than it is anything super insightful. But uh, when I was when I was uh, th- there's this whole so okay let me sort of give some context. Uh, a couple weeks ago, there was like a blog post on the dev blog for the game, and they're talking about how they were going to include some sort of paid crate loot crate system. And a lot of people got kind of upset because this game is still in early access, and they were like, hey, finish the damn game before you start trying to have microtransactions. And I think that's like a totally fair and legitimate complaint. At the same time, like what game development is and what a quote unquote finished game is, is just like no longer clear or easy to talk about. I mean, I don't want to obscure that and then excuse kind of maybe exploitative business practices, but um, it there is a sort of tension there between like, well, it's not even really finished or it's not even really part of the game. But anyway, so th- there was this, uh, there was this hubbub and then, uh, you know, player unknown, the, the guy, the, he's a modder for Arma 3, and, and so that was his sort of alias, was Player Unknown. Um, and he sort of had this apology blog post where he sort of goes, he's like, hey, we're really sorry we didn't communicate this well. We wanted to really clarify why we're doing this. And he, he says something along the lines of like, hey, this is really important to the game's economy, and like this is, this is an essential feature. We test it just like anything else. And um, I, think it's, I think it's both. I think it's uh, my initial reaction to it is like, uh, yeah, okay, that's, like, one of those, like, half-hearted, like, not-really apologies. Or, like, uh, we're still gonna do the thing that you don't like, but let me just say some things that make it sound like an apology. But at the same time, I was like, okay, actually, the loot crate is kind of an essential part of this game. So, when I, the more I thought about it, like, you know, the whole game, so, uh, I mean, there are tons of games that are like this, but especially with Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, you sort of, um, you jump out of this plane, there's a random flight path every time, and you can choose where you drop, but it's also, there's like 99 other people who are ran, who are for effectively for you going to quote unquote randomly drop into different places. 
and there's there's a lot of I mean basically the the main point is that randomness is kind of like a, an essential part of the game at a lot of different levels. So like you can choose to go to a city where there's a lot of houses that would contain lots of loot, but obviously there's no guarantee that the houses you specifically go to are actually going to have anything in them. So um, there's this sort of like uh, I don't know there's that the, the sort of gambling logic and gambling thrill of the of the of the loot crate is actually part of a lot of parts of the game. So the houses that you, where you choose to drop on the map initially is sort of part of that. And then also I the part the, the other point I make in the piece is like later in the game like obviously there are like there are these special loot crate drops that a plane like planes fly across the map and drop these like bonus crates that have like really good gear in them. But like players themselves become loot crates essentially because like by mid game if you have survived to that point you're probably well kitted. And if you kill someone, they like literally become a corpse and a crate <laughs> with uh, with a bunch of their loot that they had in there. That's deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, inside aren't we all just like crates, man? Just big loot crates aren't of we items. All just like yeah, like full of loot. Capitalism. Yeah, right? man. So like, I mean, I, I don't know. I I don't want to like overstate it, but um, I do think there's something. I think we have to sort of reckon with and be feel this sort of tension of we're we're upset and like maybe like ugh, we wish we weren't they weren't doing these like microtransaction kind of bullshit mm -hmm. but like that bullshit is actually something we kind of like and it's actually a real key ingredient of what makes what probably what made the game really popular yeah so. it's it's interesting to, to think about that because i watched a video um from a professional poker player by the name of annie duke and one of the things she pointed out about poker that makes it an interesting game with compared to chess is that Poker always maintains its sense of play because you never know what cards you're going to get. And yeah. there's always this element of randomness. Whereas chess, and I don't know if she'd go so far as to say that this makes chess not a game, but because you can always <laughs> huh. calculate in chess. there's a It can become mechanistic, exactly, right? Exactly. Mm. Right? And it seems that, to a certain degree, we want games to have that sense of mechanistic... Mechanism. We want them to be mechanized. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Mechan right, Mechanisticness. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, God, Dorno. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a word in German for this that yes. we don't have. <laughs> I should Now you're putting me on the spot. Uh, skip. <laughs> um, but I guess the point is. Deter that it's determined, right? There's a sort of determination. Well, to right, it but when, the more that's calculable. The more that it's calculable, the more that there's our mechanics that we can master and the win. Yeah. Uh, suggest our mastery of those mechanics, yeah. but I think in part play is also embracing the fact that there is no zero point because once you find the perfect solution of how to play with those mechanics, I think that's the the death of the game. Right. Yeah. Uh, or 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 it becomes the game moves elsewhere or, yeah. or something like that. Right. It's no longer mm -hmm. about figuring out the optimal strategies, but like using the right ones at the right times or something like right. that. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that that was my spiel about uh, PUBG. You can check out the the piece. I pretty much articulated most of it there, but uh, you know, check it out. Um, Kyle, what's in your system? So after you know borrowing uh, Terrell's switch again, <laughs> please just take it from him. Yeah, just go ahead and just just, just, just bug me on the street. Yeah, don't even email. <laughs> just take beat it. me upside the head, steal oh, my Jesus. keys, and come steal no. the switch. Please don't do that. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing another game borrowed from Terrell. <laughs> Uh, called Horizon Zero Dawn, oh, which, uh, I mean, is a big game out right now. Um, a lot of people have talked about. And in particular, has, you know, received a lot of comparison and perhaps unfavorable criticism uh, based on the fact that it came out 
so close on the heels of uh, Breath of the Wild, or even, I don't know the exact uh, Yeah, so I think Breath of the Wild came out, and the Switch came out the first um, Friday of March, mm-hmm. and it was that Tuesday prior that uh, Horizon Zero Dawn was released. And that's a tough place to be. I mean, against a yeah. game like Breath of the Wild <laughs> that, sure. again, is at, I think, 97 on Metacritic is probably going to hit most people's game of the year, you know? For sure. To have another open world game come out, mm-hmm. kind of rough. And so, yeah, I've been playing that, and it's kind of hard to get into, I will admit. Hmm. Uh, I have about maybe 10 or 15 hours logged into it. Um, as of now, after about 10 or 15 hours, I'm ready to say that this is an amazing game, a wonderful game that compares can compare a lot with Breath of the Wild, but at its core is a very different game. Agreed. And I think a lot of the kind of comparisons between the two, as you'll find in most video, I mean, Cool Ghosts video that we listened to, uh, we talked about last week, makes the comparison pretty explicitly, um, as well as a lot of other kind of articles and bloggers mm-hmm. and video game uh, developers. I think the, the comparisons are actually kind of mostly surface level, um, hmm. and that once you get... Really into the game in terms of narrative, uh, vastly different, even though, again, there's these kind of weird similarities where Hmm. in Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you're in this kind of world with these giant machines Hmm. who we don't really know how they were created and they kind of wander around and there's especially giant ones that form your kind of bosses. Kind of the same thing. In, yeah, in I, I didn't think about that actually. Yeah, it's yeah, like a post-apocalyptic wow. world where you're, uh, yeah. you know, in a village kind of setting. Although interestingly, the tribe you grew up in is like a multiracial matriarchal society, which I'm like, that'd be great, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although it's you know also kind of shitty because right. they like you know ostracize people and have very strict laws and are like very taboo oriented. So it's a kind of awesome complex demonstration of like a non-patriarchal capitalist society. Um, Yeah, and so I've been playing that a lot, and mainly just thinking of the idea that Cool Ghosts brought up, which is Mm -hmm. where does a game reside, you know? And I think he's right that in Horizon Zero Dawn, sometimes the gameplay actually distracts, and sometimes the kind of HUD, the gameplay, um, everything that's appearing on your screen kind of distracts from this beautiful world they've created and the kind of atmosphere that they're trying to create because you're always focusing on um, the point that you're getting to instead of just kind of living in this world. And at for the first couple hours of playing, honestly, that really almost stopped me from playing because yeah. I was not able to enjoy it. But then I kind of appreciated this is a completely different thing, a completely different game. Um, it kind of plays more like an Assassin's Creed or something like that where like it's less focused on just like exploring and more on like target-oriented gameplay. Um, with, I think, much better kind of combat mechanics than Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed. And yeah, I've been loving it. I think it's a great game. And I think we once you get past those differences between the two games, uh, the, or those surface similarities, you can really see the kind of unique differences between them. Yeah. yeah. I was watching Kyle uh, just a couple minutes before we started recording play a little bit. And uh, like one of the things that, that Cool Ghosts mentioned, it mentions in his video, and something we talked a little bit in the Zelda episode about, is this idea of hiding or disguising mechanics behind sort of like narrative or, or, or sort of other 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 things like hiding those the 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 things that suggest hey this is a game um like zelda uh, breath of the wild whenever there's a little item on the ground there's this little shine this little like sparkle Mm -hmm. and it draws your attention and it's so quick and disappears so quickly i mean it comes back but it you can sort of uh you can sort of 
dismiss it and like forget about it because it's this I don't know I don't know why but like it does it doesn't persist it's not a constant sort of hovering thing like hey this is an item you can pick up yeah. and then I was I noticed like in Horizon there are these little these little symbols Reticles that yeah. pop up. Yeah. sticks almost sticks. Right. You, for example when you approach something on the ground that you can pick up as like an herb a stick will pop up and tell you like, what kind it of like is. a light stick and it you know it's I, I think it honestly came down to like we were talking before about whether it's diegetic or not, right? right so, like, right. is it part of the game or not? And in Breath of the Wild, you really kind of get a sense that you, like, maybe glimpse something out of the corner of your eye, you know? So it really feels like something that would happen in the real world. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Horizon Zero Dawn, it is diegetic. Like, you you have this kind of thing on your ear called a focus that lets you, like, see the world digitally, you know? Like, interact with things and kind of gives you more information about certain things. So I guess you could argue it's part of the game, that it is digital, that you can pick up these things, but also it just feels like it's a video game. You know, right. it doesn't feel like, oh yeah, I also have a focus in real life that lets me see things that way, right? Exactly. Maybe in ten years we all will. Who right, knows? right. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that I think that play between like, oh, we can immediately recognize it as like, oh, that might be a part of game design interface in 2017, but it also can be disguised within the narrative is an interesting tension. And there's that, some slippage. Exactly. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. And 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 something about Zelda is just like a little bit better at disguising it in a certain kind of way. Well, two thoughts real, real quick. Um, yeah. I think that part of the thing in Zelda that makes that okay is it's it does not have the push towards uh, verisimilitude. Hope I hit that right. Wow. Or else a professor is going to kill me. We're rocking Ver- some crazy awesome um, words. Verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. Is that it? Verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. I could verisimilitude. spell it. Verisimilitude. I can't say okay. it, but I could spell it. Okay. I couldn't spell <laughs> it. I, I, could I can say probably it. spell it. I, I don't know. Um, but I guess, again, we all are PhD candidates. Right, just, just to be clear. Just to re Actually, <laughs> not even. One of right, yeah, actually, not I'm, not also, yet. I'm also okay. not yet. We're all in graduate school. <laughs> God. Continue, um, continue to yeah. But because Horizon Zero Dawn, I mean, in part because Horizon Zero Dawn is... Um, well, I mean, this is one of the flagship games for the PS4 right now. It's the one that people would say that this is the reason to buy um, a PS Pro and get a 4K television. It's the reason why you want uh, to enable HDR on your television. You know, the graphics do look really great. They're stunning. And part of what they're trying to do is to meet that kind of, this is real life, Aloy looks real, all the characters look real, so on and so forth. And the animation is really smooth, very smooth. Right. But what that does in is it takes away from the capacity of something like happens in Horizon Zero Dawn, which it, or Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, my mistake. They're the uh, same game, basically. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, we take away. <laughs> um, but in Breath of the Wild, when something on the ground that you can pick up has that sort of shimmer on it, that is not that does not distract us because that game has a different set of aesthetics that are not um, that are not in the basis of resembling reality. Because yeah, right. when in reality, when things that we can pick up appear they don't look different than other <laughs> yeah. things right. that we can't pick up right. but that addition to that world and that um diegetic frame if i'm if i'm hitting that term yeah. just yeah. right yeah, yeah, yeah. um that's not breaking second i think that there is you know I'm, i typically like to think of media in terms of you know when you're trying to be critical about it mm-hmm. and i'm already back in the frame after <laughs> that, so. um Post post critical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, in terms of missed opportunities, and I think a missed opportunity 
and Horizon Zero Dawn would have been if the more you use the focus to gain information about the world and the way that the focus worked would be to use some of those HUD-based elements. Like, you know, there's things on the ground that you can pick up or particular herbs that you're looking for. The HUD pops up and says this because you've programmed the HUD to do that. The more Aloy used that, it almost becomes internalized where she sees them even when it's not on. Mm -hmm. So that if you want to use it... and. That's one thing that the game does kind of let you do is you can, can make your own side quests. So if you're looking for particular items to make a potion, you could turn that into a quest hmm. such that when you get close to things, that becomes the objective marker, so on and so forth. But making that a thing where the character alay that you move through the world changes based off your use of the focus to explain some of those things on the HUD, that would have been an interesting move. Yeah. Probably would have traded off gameplay-wise and would have made things a little bit murkier, but it would have been... That's a possibility that somebody in the next game, maybe not Horizon Zero Dawn game, should play with. Or include that as part of, like, your introduction to, like, the skill set that you need, right? Mm. Because, you know, they do a really good... I mean, the, again, the, the story, I think, is just amazing. You know, like, it draws on a lot of, kind of, my favorite fantasy and sci-fi tropes uh, in books I read and media I consume. Um, but, they, you know, the gameplay introduction is pretty short. Like, it's maybe, like, 20 or 30 minutes before you're like, cool, I know how to play... Maybe you'll get new items that'll kind of change that up. But if they'd made that kind of a more advanced kind of storyline where you slowly kind of integrate how you're playing with uh, your use of the focus, which lets you interact with the world, you know, could be could be more interesting. Again, I think it works, you know? It's not like it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting because, like, if you think about how we use we use media in the real world, things, like, certain things start to become invisible to us. And... Because we're not always, like, literally looking at the mouse or the keyboard or something like that, they can sort of fade in, in a sort of, I don't Equipment know, and tools have fades. the capacity to become concealed, as Martin Heidegger Boom. Man, Boom. we are just laying wow. it on You fit. got the Heidegger quote before so I did. So sorry. Like, yeah, <laughs> I no, but I, I, think, I think there's something about this that, like, because, because you played the video, green, video game on this 2D screen... You can't really, like, how, how, I mean, it's, I'm not saying you can't do this, but it's like a, you have to sort of deal with this problem that, like, the HUD elements can't, like, disappear, right? Or, like, you can't, like, maybe, maybe as you play the game, they would, like, become less sort of vivid or something like that. But it's, it's, it's a, it's a different consideration when it's all, when all mm -hmm. the information that you gather from the game is from the 2D screen and from the, from the sound. You know, maybe it's like, oh, you switch it from the visual to the audio, mm -hmm. maybe that's one way to do it. But I don't know, this, uh, it's an interesting, like, I think it's really cool that you highlight that, Terrell, because it's a, it highlights how that is a choice and like a decision to like instead of like it, it's like in, in order to make it easy for the player, we don't make this sort of like relationship between Alloy and the uh, Alloy Aloy Aloy and the and the technology she uses uh, more explicit and like yeah. a, a development or a growth, some sort of like getting mm -hmm. habituated to it or right. something like that. Yeah. yeah, cool, great. Anything else, Terrell? Um. Only a really great segue into what I wanted to talk right. about. Right. <laughs> what's uh, in your system for this Darrell? episode? Um, I think uh, Kyle's point in terms of thinking about the way that they really, I think part of what you know, you're bringing up is that Horizon Zero Dawn really wants to kind of hold your hand through a number of different things because it knows that it's dealing with a lot of complex mechanics. And maybe they're not complex because it's easy to think of, okay, here's your things, like here's your herbs that you can use for a number of things, here's this material that you can use for a number of things. But there's really a lot of things going on and a lot of different resources that can do a lot of different things. So it has all those arrows and sticks and pointing things and letting you know how much you have everything so that 
uh, those are things that are make it the world easier to just kind of jump in and immerse yourself in. Uh, I think that that is a good point of contrast with Breath of the Wild, because, and this I think is something of an extension from the conversation we had in the last uh, What's in Your System, uh, where I'm thinking about uh, emergent gameplay, because it seems to me that Breath of the Wild wants to force you to figure out how to play it. And mm -hmm. one of the ways I think um, Cool Ghost begins to discuss this in terms of the way he's talking about the map, and I think it can be a little confusing the way that he's talking about it, but more or less, although while there are waypoints on the map, most of the time I found, I found, I found in Breath of the Wild, you have to find and make your own waypoints with the pin stamp system. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And in doing that, you have to learn to use the sort of binocular system and the map and the stamping things. And you, you know, when someone says, oh yeah, it's over on this hill, maybe it will pan there. But then once you're done with that sort of cut conversation, you then have to sort of point out your binoculars and say, all right, I want to go there and then it will show up on the map and then you interact with it as such. And that's the way you sort of have to navigate to do that. And that can be kind of frustrating um, I mean, maps are frustrating, <laughs> right? Just in general, so right? Like in real life, this is this is definitely true. Someone I mean, wasn't a Boy Scout. Was <laughs> a Boy Scout? How dare you, Derek? How dare you? Were you a Boy Scout? No, I wasn't. Okay, <laughs> I'm not so sure that's a thing to be proud of. Sorry, Terrell. Go ahead. Anyway, way to offend all Boy Scout <laughs> that we have. Wow, we're about to drop. I'm not so sure it's <laughs> not something to be proud of. Um, Definitely saved it. But uh, I think that, well, one of the things that frustrated me earlier on with uh, Breath of the Wild is that I wanted to try and get to a shrine that was in a colder area, but huh. the only way I could figure out to stay warm was to hold the torch. Mm -hmm. But holding that torch meant I couldn't use any weapons. Yep. Because the minute I used a weapon, put the torch away, the torch is no longer lit. And you can't run. Yeah. I think I was at the same point, because it drove me freaking crazy. Yeah, I died a bunch the first time when we all played that. Well, well I, I was playing the first time we tried. I mean, it's 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 not the, the most intuitive of things to learn how to navigate the cold when you don't have, um, well, you, you don't know how to cook yet. And in fact, I think Derek had to show me how to cook. I don't think it <laughs> yeah. ever really teaches you how to cook. Maybe no. someone mentions, like, you can use that pot to cook. Right. Toss stuff in it, you right, know? Right, right, right. But then how do you toss stuff in it? You have to learn how to put things in your hands yeah. and hold them and use that feature and then yeah. do so on and so forth. And had Derek not pointed me in that direction when I watched him play uh, The Trial of the Sword, I'd still be running around with all these apples not knowing how to eat them <laughs> up. Um, yeah. But then once you figure that out and you sort of start to experimenting or learning how to kind of mess things around, and I think that's, that's always kind of been a staple of Zelda. For example, I... And I think I always die a number of times whenever playing a new Zelda game. So, for example, the first time I played Ocarina of Time, I had something like 70-something deaths by the time I hit the Water <laughs> Temple. And many of those deaths were just trying to figure out. I mean, even the Deku Tree was, was hard, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. Because I didn't realize, oh, wait, the fire on that candle means I can light a Deku stick and yeah. burn like that type of kinking yeah. and connection, mm -hmm. that's not something Super Mario Brothers lets you do, so I didn't think it was something that that world would allow. I think it's something that always made the Zelda games kind of, like, unique, was that they, they mm. did kind of obscure some of those connections. I think it, maybe it probably started the most in Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Where, like, again, with the, the Deku stick, and you light it on fire, and you burn the web. Like, the first time I did that, I was like, what? like, I created something, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, I, yeah. like, I felt like I had, like, created something out of nothing, even though, like, yeah. all the pieces had been laid out for right. you, you know? Yeah, but yeah, I think that the Zelda franchise in general is um is always basically pushed 
that kind of um, that kind of direction. The one other thing in Breath of the Wild where I think takes us to an entirely different level and I think explains kind of how those interactions happen overall is I forget what shrine it is, but there's a shrine. Um, the name is on the tip of my tongue, where you have to navigate a ball kind of through a rolly maze. Oh, my oh goodness, God, yeah. I hate those so much. It's a divisive one. Well, <laughs> I, I cannot here's this trick. Spoilers. Yeah. Because uh, I definitely went online, and I was like, nah, yeah, you got me. <laughs> you win. Yeah. If you turn the controller upside, upside down, down. Yeah, the ball drops in a different place. Yeah. And oh. that makes things ridiculously easier oh but it becomes one of those things where mm. the things that you can manipulate in the game are not just within the space of the game it's also the kind of external peripherals yeah that you can then manipulate to sort of do whatever i even so, wow <laughs> <laughs> we're Sorry, the same person we spoke so that this, worked out I, I spoke at the same time we, again <laughs> so what, what i did was in the game because i played it with the the pro controller on the tv for the most part I would even, because I hate that maze games, even in real life, I can't stand them. <laughs> the point is, you have to ma navigate the ball through a maze and then kind of drop it off into a uh, little hole off outside of the maze a lot of the times. Mm. I would just turn the maze into a giant paddle and hit the ball when it fell down until I could paddle it into the hole. <laughs> like, that's how outraged I was, oh that they were like, they're making me play a maze game. <laughs> Sorry, other, well, other side of me, yeah, continue. I have some bad news, guys. Um, uh, looks like we're going to have to cancel the first... It was going to be the first of many annual Scholars at Play <laughs> corn maze uh, sort of conventions. Um, I like mazes, but I just hate maze Kyle's games. Kyle's not into it, so we're going to have to cancel it. Um, I wish you had told me, corn maze? Yeah. So can we do a haunted house instead? Let's just oh, turn Bucket sure. into a haunted house. Oh, no, no. The Scholars that play Haunted, haunted house, house is still on. It's already a Just want to let you know, it is still on. Listeners, it's definitely happening. Wait, wouldn't um, it that be a maze maze? That's an amazing punch. Oh! Oh! All right. Man, we might, we'll be, be, we might be done. Yeah, I we think all of everyone just unsubscribed. <laughs> Terrell unsubscribed. Terrell, yeah. <laughs> and he consists of like one-fourth of, one of our listener base. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Terrell, did you have anything else you wanted to hit? <laughs> Um, or besides Kyle, and just, <laughs> uh, when 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 you have a maze made of maze, learn that ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> Parting words from a from a I philosopher mean, beautiful, king. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so uh, thank you so much for listening. Where can people find you guys online, Terrell? Uh, Black Socrates. At yeah. Twitter. At yeah. E underscore Kyle underscore Romero. Yeah, and you can find me at digital underscore Derek. You can check out uh, scholarsplay.net. I'm working on trying to get the RSS feed to go there. So right now the episodes are still on SoundCloud and iTunes, of course. But like we're going to set up the SoundCloud RSS feed through the website. But we'll also have some blog posts there. Yep, there'll yep. be a post coming for me soon. I know I promised it last time. It's coming. Yeah, probably cool. probably me as well. I may I'm, I may like link to their blogs or whatever. But there'll be some there'll be some stuff on there for you to read. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, thanks. We'll see guys. you later. Be easy. <laughs> <laughs>